This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Andy Loves Art House episode number 9. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time checking out podcast Under the Stairs with your Andy Loves Art House series, maybe you're a new listener swinging by for 2020, this is a series that simply asks one question. That one question is, can I find the movie that my co-host Andy Blockley will love that is classed as an art house movie. Now we've kind of narrowed it to art house horror. I think over time we may start expanding that out and getting a bit more fringy because uh, there's a limited number of art house horror movies that are worth chatting about on this show. Now joining me, I've already mentioned his name. He is the star of this show. He's the man that we are trying. We're trying desperately to get him to admit that he loves something. And that's very difficult because he's a cold, hard bastard. Joining me this time is my very dear friend, Andy Blockley. How are you doing, sir? All right, mate. All right, listen. <laughs> You're going to ask me about films that I like. I, I've been so difficult to, to please You? This no, year. no, never. 2019, rather. Fuck me. Um, yeah, so we'll just carry on. Yeah, I, I, I'm so. Sure, I don't want to be too negative. I was so surprised because, like, to me, 2019 was a was an outstanding year. Like, I, I genuinely yeah. think it was a great way to finish off. Which I, I mean, I've I've put my my stick in the ground on this one. I am of the opinion that the the 2010s might be the best year for horror, uh, best decade for horror ever. I, 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 that's how strong okay. I think about it. Especially that back right. five years, like 2016 uh, through to 20, well, sorry, 2015 through to 2019, I think, like, every year there's about five horror movies that I would say could stack up against almost anything and, you know, really hold their own. And I can't think of many other decades that have that. There's always a slump somewhere. Um, so I'm, I'm genuinely, I was jazzed by the end of the year. I was like, yeah, um, I put my list together. And then when we were talking about how we were going to bring you back this year for episodes, and I started firing at a couple of titles, and you were just like, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Tried to watch that, switched off. Nope, didn't like that one. Really didn't like what that. What was one. it? I can't. What were they? I can't remember. So what originally, I'd said, do you want to do the house that Jack built? Which oh, is yeah. technically it's 2018, realistically. Right. And you were like that, no, switch that one off. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but you never got to the end, you were like that, I'm not going back to watch it. <laughs> no, I can't do it. It's too it's too long. I'm not fucking I ain't sitting through two and a half hours. We've already done that with the void. <laughs> it was like to, to... <laughs> you just like you sh- that was the way you shot it down. You're like, because generally in the past there's been a bit of wiggle room, you know, where I'll be like, oh god, and you're like, you know what? I'll give it right. I'll give it a shot, 
Uh, but this time you were just. Oh, like, do you know what it is? <laughs> just, just to explain to the listeners, there is a reason why, like, my tolerance is lower, and it's basically I don't work. I used to work a four-day week and have a three-day weekend. I did that yep. for seven years, so probably the whole time I've known you. Mm-hmm. Now, now I work five days a week and only have a two-day weekend. So it's almost like that fucking day that I've lost. If I'm watching a film and it's like half an hour in, it's wank. Forget it. I'm turning it <laughs> off because, like, I've. Just, <laughs> No, like I'm wet. No, I've only got a two-day weekend. I can't waste it. I can't waste like a portion of it watching this fucking film, The Irishman. I've still watch it. I've still watch it. it I, oh man, it's wank. I, fucking, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I, I don't get why people are fucking raving about it. Oh, you know, like you know, if you've ever had like a grandparent that ends up in an old people's home. Uh-huh slobbering and like they can't fucking remember your name and you go oh god I don't want to remember him like this yeah this is awful I, I want to remember him how they used to be or else I felt watching the Irishman oh no I don't, I, don't, I don't want to fucking remember like Scorsese and De Niro and Pacino like this like fucking hell <laughs> and obviously they've digitally de-aged him right yep which is just why are they doing that oh, for <laughs> god's sake it looks so fucking shit I thought like I, I thought I was watching like Robert De Niro in the Polar Express. Oh right! It's like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> and obviously, if you're going to digitally de-age a fucking eighty-year-old man, uh-huh. you need then to get a body double because there's a scene. Yeah, right? I've heard there's about a this. scene. Yeah, you know, like you know, in Goodfellas, there's that famous scene where Rob De Niro, like they're all all three of them are kicking the shit out of that guy on the floor. Yep. Right, well, they basically like, almost like try and recreate that. Some blokes like, had a go at De Niro's daughter in a fucking bakery or something. So De Niro fucking goes down there. Right, where is he? Right, this guy, okay. And he just like, he, he, he like, oh, it's just embarrassing. He like punches, he gets him on the floor. And like, and De Niro kind of goes over to him to kick him in the face, but he can literally barely walk. And he's like, it's like someone's nicked his Zimmer frame and he's just kind of hobbling over there. And then like, he fucking, he kicks the guy in the face, but his arm, his, his, his hand's like pinwheeling, like he's trying not to fall over. It's just, oh man, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> just to see like this fucking powerhouse guy, Robert De Niro, Obviously, playing a fucking like man in his thirties, but hobbling around like a man in his eighties, like what he really is in real life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's just, why did they just? They, they should have. Is there not some way they could have reshot that fucking scene and just done it in a different way, like shot him from behind and had a young man? It's just fucking really bad. And and then the film, like the film's boring as fuck. I mean, I know you might <laughs> like it. I don't know, but I, I think there's a very like, very strong chance I'll like it. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean that one for me. I didn't. I didn't get to the end of it because it's about fucking four and a half hours. It's, it's I, three, I think what. it's three three and a half hours, which even to me as someone who I'm, you know, like time is no object sort of guy, uh, even to me felt a bit eye watering. Um, but I was like, that, I don't, really is, want I don't to watch a three hour. I'm, Scorsese movie. Thing is, I I don't mind three and a half hours if it's amazing. Like I watch, I don't know if you did. You get around to watching the virtues? Uh, no, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a great example of a movie that I think Dude. is a great movie, but is too long. Um, is right. the Wolf of Wall Street, which everyone. Okay. I mean, I think Wolf of Wall Street is a is a really good movie, but I think about half an hour of that movie is 
essentially repetition of people partying and scenes of people celebrating in Wall Street. And I'm like, that. Yeah. See, if you take you chop that out, that movie becomes a lot leaner and a lot more interesting to revisit. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like every time I think the about revisiting um, that movie, I'm like, no, it's, it's too long. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's well. weird. Um, I, I think I got about halfway into it, turned it off to just to do something else, and just never went back to it. I have got it on Blu-ray, and I've just never, I never finished it. Yeah. Yeah. The point I was making about the virtues, it's like that's about a four. Literally, you know, if you if you watch it back to back, it's like you're watching about a four and a half hour film. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking amazing. Yeah. So you know, it's it, it, you know, I don't mind these long things. I, I, right. This is what frustrates me about you. How have you not watched the fucking virtues, but you're watching them fucking eighty-eight films? Shit. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Right. Here's here's the problem. Andy, how can you fi- how can you find time to watch them, but you can't find time to watch like your favorite one of your favorite directors, Shane Meadows, with one of your favorite actors, Stephen Graham? Yeah, like, but listen, like, see, here's here, here's the thing. Like, there is no time is not the issue. Right, time is never the issue. I don't sleep. Right, so time is never the issue. No, I know, I know. That's what I. That's why I'm confused. <laughs> the problem is that when, I, like, with everything else that I do, when I start something, I laser focus on making sure I do it right. So yeah. very much like you're saying, and I'm a totally one hundred percent with you. That slasher collection is hot fucking garbage. Right, <laughs> uh, it really is. It really is. In fact, yeah. the, the episode that drops yesterday from when this one comes out um, is the first power, which is a movie I had not seen since the early nineties when it came out with Lou Diamond yeah. Phillips. It is not a fucking slasher movie, and it's not even a horror movie. It's an action movie, and they, they've literally just taken that and just said. Slasher classic. That's literally the and the thing is, it's a it's actually surprisingly is a good movie. It holds up relatively well, but like they are just anything at all, like anything at all in that one. When I look at the Italian collection, the Italian collection, I'm like 40, 44 movies into that collection for the series. And I think I've done three movies I didn't like, and I found some movies that I'm like, this is a masterpiece. Like absolutely. Okay. Like masterpiece of like like spaghetti westerns, things I'm not generally into. That I've yeah, sat yeah. like I watched the, the Mercenary and the Mercenary floored me. I thought it was an incredible movie, like from 1968 or something. I, did, okay. abs- I just thought it was absolutely amazing. So this is yeah. the problem. Like 88 films is teasing me and giving me gold with one collection and giving me shit in the other collection that I think. Yeah. I mean, but and. Uh, I keep thinking I'm going to find a movie that I'm going to like be like I am so this is this justifies the experience of going through twenty odd movies of shit. You know, it's got to be fucking good filming. You know what I mean? I, I keep thinking I'm going to find that lost gem that I'm like so glad that a labels put that out. And so mm. as a result of that, I've tied myself into it now. So I'm doing that like full force. That yes, there is time. I have a backlog, Andy. <laughs> of things that have to be watched and that is on that list and I will get around to it for sure it just needs shunt it up shunt it weird time periods where like I just find time to do that like I I watched granted I'm now one whole season behind but I blitzed that whole Peaky Blinders thing because everyone told me to do that in like a week Um, so I like I find weird pockets where I'm like that right I I have time now let's do this and it is on the list and it will be shunted up but yeah, I'm just like it's we. You're a weird character, Andy, and in that I think like like sometimes 
things that I wouldn't think resonate with you really, really, really resonate with you. And then there are other times where, you know, things I would put the house on that, you know, this is an Andy Blockley movie, you know, you just come back and you're like that. No, it's fucking awful. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that it, it wasn't bad. It's just like, this is shit. And this is yeah. where this is going to get really interesting because... I'm an oh, enigma. You are. You, keep me, <laughs> you really do keep me on my toes. And I think I like that in part. I hate that thing where people just... And most of the time people are right with me. Where people are like, oh, this is totally a Duncan movie. And then I'm like, I yeah. will be the judge of that if the Neon Demon will be a Duncan movie. And then you go, oh yeah, they were right. Yeah, they're 100% <laughs> spot on. The Neon Demon finished. Yeah. I've been getting told for like six months I was going to, oh, this is going to be my favourite movie of the year and all the rest. And I sat down and watched it. I was like, I will be the judge. And it finished and I was like, that, that's the best movie I've seen this year. <laughs> and I hate myself <laughs> for that. I don't like being so predictable. Um... I like being kind of, at times I like to be, I, I like to see myself as being a bit of a mystery, but you are, you genuinely are, because had you told me like two years ago that Hereditary would be the movie that you were like, like vehemently saying was one of the best of the decade, I would not have believed you because to me on paper Hereditary would not be a movie that you would be into. Uh, right. but you totally you totally got that one and then there are other times where I'm like Andy Blockley will well you know will will totally love this movie and you're like well no it's shit <laughs> and I'm like yeah. so so like the movie we picked this week though and I'm gonna say the movie you picked this week because like I say I said House at Jack Milk you were like nope and I was like what about Hagazuza and you were like that that was our shit Duncan and I was like really I hated that <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> so I was like, well, like what because I want you to do something more modern because there's plenty in the back the backlog there of, of things to cover but I want you to do something it's a new year it's a new decade let's let's tackle something more and you came away with the idea of well could bliss be considered an art house horror movie and I'm like yes yes it, it, it can by its very nature bliss to me shares the same and I spoke about this slightly off air with you shares a weird DNA with something like driller killer and from back when we were doing the nasty Andy, um, Uer, we we said when doing that one that it was the movie that probably shouldn't have been on the list because it's surprisingly artistic, like very, very, very yeah. artistic. And this one has the same. And I, I know a lot of people might come back and say, "Well, it's not an art house movie." Well, you're wrong. Um, it's it's got a specific style. It's got a specific subtext. It's all about allegory as well, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. But that does not necessarily mean it's going to be a great fucking movie. And that's where I am curious. And what I want to ask you, though, is, like, we obviously know your thoughts on The Irishman. <laughs> um, mm. What was your favourite movie last year? Was it the, was it um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Was it Joker? Was it one of the, the, the big the big right. ones getting all the I didn't awards? Like the, I didn't like the... Didn't like the Joker. I thought Did it was a know? really weak, weak, predictable screenplay. I don't understand wow. why it's getting all the love. I thought like it was just so unbelievably predictable. There are people throwing their um, devices across the room right now. <laughs> it just, it just, like it just did nothing for me. Like, uh, yeah, all right. and, and you knew his mum was going to die. Right, it's a bit of a twist that he ends up killing her himself. Yeah, gonna lose his job, get picked on on the tube and beaten up. Like, there's just all this stuff. It was just like a checkbox of things that are going to turn him in. You know, that are going to make him flip. It was like it's been done in Falling Down and Taxi Driver and so many other films. Yep. I just thought this is doing nothing different. Um, 
the Joker character is really like it's because like, it's I'm used to watching a really charismatic Joker, apart from the horror, the terrible, terrible one that J- that J- 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 Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> apart from the horrific version that he did, um, like all the other Jokers are these really like charismatic people. I can believe uh, you know are quite fucking you know they can handle themselves in the situation and you know could turn into like a fucking you know the, a crime lord yeah. kind of thing this guy is just a fucking weirdo isn't he and yeah. <laughs> i just thought like i just don't believe that that's the joker from all from the jokers that i've seen like yeah. you know if it's supposed to be almost like a prequel showing you how he becomes the joker i'm not fucking buying it mate like i yeah, I, I don't know if it is. I, I think that's. I think that's the thing. I think they've been like I've heard conversations specifically with the director now. In fact, there's a great director's roundtable discussion, um, which is it entertainment put out or is it? Uh, oh, I can't remember. Some website uh, that does all this movie news stuff did a roundtable kind of post the Golden Globes with Scorsese, Todd Phillips, um, and the the. Oh fuck! They did the the, the, the good marriage. Um, the, the Greta, what's her chops? They did Little Women, and you know, like like all the ones that won like a lot of awards. All sitting down, they're just talking about movies and stuff in the film industry. Yeah. And his specific take on what he does, I think, justifies a lot of the choices. I mean, it, it comes down to whether or not you accept him. Uh, I mean, he, he he's sitting opposite Scorsese, saying, you know, it's a match to to your movies, really. Um, and it is when you watch it; it's so painfully obvious that it, you know it's known mm. to things like King Comedy and Taxi Driver and stuff. Anyway, but I mean, I I don't know. I, it depends. I suppose it depends what you. I wanted a movie that didn't feel like a comic book movie and wasn't a comic book movie. Um, and he never really. Ref- it's weird. He only ever really refers to himself as Joker at the end, and I don't know if that's the same character. And to be honest, I don't care. I I to me. Joaquin Phoenix sold that movie from front. I could watch, honestly, watch him in absolutely anything. I think he's, and I never used to be that way. I used to find him the most obnoxious actor on the planet. <laughs> like, really. Okay. And his last five years, I don't know what he's done, um, but he's he's changed things for me. He did that Lynn Ramsey movie two years ago. Uh, you were never really yeah. here, which I I think is like. Absolutely fucking incredible! Um, like jaw dropping. Yeah, like I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed that because it popped up on Netflix. So I watched it, and yeah, that's that is good actually. Yeah, I think a lot of people complain that it wasn't violent enough, but it's, I don't, so, <laughs> it's like you can't win. You can't. It's too violent. It's not violent enough. He does like he does batter a room full of people with a hammer. Like, yep. I mean, what else do you want? I mean, <laughs> yeah, and it's weird. Like, and I don't like, and I know obviously in the, in Joker, he's he's mentally ill and I don't mean any disrespect by saying he's just fucking weird I know he's obviously got some serious mental yeah. problems and I appreciate that completely from, from the take on it it's just if it wasn't called The Joker maybe I'd have enjoyed yeah. it but the fact that it's meant to be building towards this you know like the Joker that we've seen Jack Nicholson play that yeah. we've seen uh, you know all these other characters play where it's like fucking oh yeah like this guy's a, a, a for- literally a force of nature isn't he yeah and I just don't fucking buy it. So I think it's a, you know what it's a bit like in it's it's a bit like Doctor Sleep, yeah, which I actually really fucking enjoyed. Yeah, Doctor Sleep was good. Like, I mean, I had some issues with it, um, but I, I thought I'd it was been a quite happy. Anyway. I mean, I'd have been quite happy if it didn't go to the if it wasn't the Shining sequel. I'd have been like, what? Why couldn't yeah. it have just been a film in its own right? 
Well, it could. The and problem know, is it could, it could have. The, the thing is, if it if it had followed the book, it would have been. That's that's yeah. the, the thing because the obviously Kubrick did his thing, and Stephen King hated what Kubrick did. So when Stephen King did his second book, he basically, you know, did a, an addition to his book, not an addition to because at the end of the Shining book, the hotel's gone, it's been burned yeah. down. So. Uh, which I, and I do think it is really clever. Obviously, the way they've basically they've made it a sequel to the book and the film is to kind of please yeah. everyone. My my only issue um, with that was there was like the last half an hour of that movie, it was too much references to the Shining, and at that point, yeah. I'm looking at a great filmmaker like trying to recreate the arguably one of the greatest filmmakers ever made you know like ever walk on the planet and on that one i'm like just yeah. don't do it make it your own right we we know these characters you already have me in with the the creepy twins and the woman in the bath and all but you have me in with that i don't need to yeah. see them replay the same scenes in the hotel i don't and it's not just, i enjoyed the movie i thought it was a really 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 good movie but it wasn't necessary. It wasn't to me. It wasn't a phenomenal movie, which and, and that sticks in my craw a little bit because Flanagan to me is. I think it could have been yeah, if they I'm hadn't the have gone to The Shining, yeah. and, and I think that's where I feel like the Joker. And I know it's marketing, and I know no one probably would have watched the Joker if it was just called something else, and it wasn't about the Joker that we know from Batman. It was just about a guy suffering a mental breakdown, like Taxi Driver, that sort of thing. Yeah nowhere near as many people would have gone to watch it. So I get why they've had to, you know, like make it connected with the Joker. I think it's just a marketing ploy and it's the same with this Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Like, and I know it is a sequel to The Shining, so it's hard not to sell it as a sequel to The Shining because that's what it is. But like for me, I I thought the first like hour was one of the best films, probably my favorite film of the year. Yeah. Oh, I just Rose, loved Rose it. I was just so maybe un- one of the best villains I've seen in a long yeah. time. She was fucking great. I loved, I loved the kid in it. I loved how she was like discovering her powers, and then how she actually went, "I'm going to fucking punish these motherfuckers." Yeah, yeah. When the door snaps like, on her hand, and um, like in the, the dream sequence when she traps Rose the Hat's hand in there, and you yeah. get is is that almost that kind of visceral level like Gerald's game, where she's pulling in the skin, scraping off, and I'm like. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not And also, like, torturing that kid to death and telling him yeah. we're going to fucking torture you because the more scared and in pain you are, the better yeah, it better is for thing. us. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's dark. actually, like, quite horrific. Pretty dark. The book's dark. I don't, like, the book is really dark and they recreate a lot of that. And the, the, I think they missed a couple of things. Um, the, the chick that can control people's minds. Uh, snake bite Annie or whatever they call her. Um, yeah, like her whole backstory is is like in the book. It's like she's molested and you know like it's implied yeah. in the movie, but like it really speaks to her actions. We don't get a lot of her. Uh, where in the book we get a ton right. of backstory, which makes her weirdly sympathetic. But in yeah. the movie, she's just vi- she's just a vicious cunt, you know. From start to finish, so you know. I, I'm I mean, it's weird, one. isn't it? That- there's so much, yeah, so much like, you know, when you've got all this source material that you have to squeeze into like a two hour film, it's, I almost feel really short changed. And I'm sure, like, you know, the people that have read the book and that just think, oh, it's such a shame that they're about to miss so much, yeah. you know, so much stuff out. Um, Uncut Gems I watched that I thought was really good. You it's seen on that? Netflix end of the month, weirdly. Um, Is it? Uh, yeah, okay. 31st of January, it's getting um, its premiere on Netflix, uh, I believe in the UK, USA and the rest of the world as well so I will finally okay. get a chance to catch that one which has been yeah, I've that's heard really nothing good. but great things about that movie um, uh, my favourite film of the year which is not a film that was out this year it's about fucking 10 years old but it blew me away um, Tyrannosaur 
I don't even think I know see, that one. <laughs> see, you're not seeing that? It's um, <laughs> Paddy Con- written written and directed by Paddy Considine. Really? <laughs> and it's got it's got Olivia Coleman in it, um, Peter Mullen. Oh, you're you're selling it to me. That's that's my cash. You know, you know, you're not seeing Tyrannosaur. Fucking hell. No. Basically, I watched it when it first came out. This is before I met you. Um, never, never went back to it because basically the opening scene is a guy kicking his dog to death. Um, so, <laughs> like that for me, I think is why Olivia Colman didn't win an Oscar, is because you can't have a film up for the Oscars <laughs> where it opens with a, a dog being kicked to death by you know by its owner. Um, but. Basically, I was listening to the Scroobius Pip uh, Distraction Pieces podcast. I don't know if you ever heard that. I have. I've just never listened but he, to it. Um, yeah, he basically has incredible fucking guests on at the minute. Like he started off basically, he's like a rapper um, from from London. Mm-hmm. Started off just by having like sort of a lot of people in the music industry and stuff on there. So I kind of I, I dipped in and out of his show because he had like Russell Brand on. So I listened to that episode. He had uh, who's the guy that does all the fucking comic books? The English guy. What's his fucking name? Alan Moore. Alan Moore. I had Alan Moore on, so I like dipped in for that episode and stuff. And so I kind of dipped in and out. And then I just went, I stopped listening to him for a good few years. And then I like just had checked out his podcast again about six months ago. And he's got, he's had like fucking Stephen Graham on there, Edward Norton, just like incredible fucking guests on his show. And so I've just been listening to that. Anyway, he had Paddy Considine on. And Paddy Considine was talking about Tyrannosaur that he made. And he was talking about how Olivia Coleman um, basically fucking transcends in that film. Mm. Like her performance is literally one of the great, like one of the most harrowing, incredible performances like you've ever seen. And I kind of thought, fuck yeah, I do remember that film being amazing. But just it was so unbelievably bleak that I never went back to it. So I, was like, I went and got the Blu-ray. And watched it again and was just like first of all I, I thought he killed his dog about halfway through he doesn't it's the opening scene uh-huh. and then and that is not the bleakest thing that happens in that movie <laughs> like, <laughs> it gets bleaker and bleaker and fucking bleaker but the performances are just incredible like peter mullen it's one of his greatest performances of his whole fucking career olivia coleman fucking would have won an oscar if it wasn't for the subject matter um, or would have been at least nominated because she's just fucking incredible in yeah. that. Um, yeah, man, Tyrannosaur. I thought you'd go, oh, yeah, fucking hell, that's great. No, 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 I've, I've, I've just, I've, um, I wasn't even aware of it. So I've, I've actually just okay. screenshotted that work and I will get on that one ASAP because I do love Olivia Coleman just now. She was in one of my favourite movies last year with the the favourite, which I think the favourite was fucking incredible. And yeah, Peter yeah. Mullen in anything and everything. Like Peter Mullen for life. <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking um, love Peter Mullen. So yeah, yeah, and it's amazing. There's there's a scene in it um, where Peter Mullen kind of has a bit of a, a bit of a fucking breakdown in a pub and starts like hitting himself in the face, mm. and and someone off screen goes, Are "You all right?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fu- yeah, I'm fine." And it was Paddy Considine off behind the camera because Peter Mullen's fucking like little breakdown was that fucking convincing you like he, he, <laughs> God. he kind of had to step in and go you're right but because he's in a pub they left it in because it just sounds like it's someone in the pub asking him are you all right like yeah. you probably would if you saw someone fucking smacking themselves and it's like yeah it feels that fucking real you know if you didn't know it was Paddy Constantine you think you're watching a Shane Meadows film yeah it's that kind of realistic 
like it's it's that realism that really nobody else can do apart from Shane Meadows, and I think it's because he's worked with Paddy Considine. They're obviously, you know, they're really close mates and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's it's you know, they're interchangeable basically. The, like the two things that I mean, I don't know if you've seen like Journeyman. Oh yeah, I've seen Journeyman. Um, yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, Paddy Considine can really fucking act, and he can really really direct, right. you know, a movie. Yeah, and Tyrannosaurus is just an example of one of the first things he did, but you literally can't believe you're watching someone's debut movie. It's like, it almost, it fucking, it will floor you, dude. The fact that it's his first fucking thing that he's done. Oh, it's on the like, list, man. It's, it's on the list. I've added oh, it right yeah, there. Yeah, got to watch it. Um, no, I'm glad I fucking mentioned it then, because I thought, I, I thought you would have seen that. No, no, I'm no, really had you not mentioned that there, that uh... would have went under the radar for me again. <laughs> See, oh, this I'm really is what glad. I'm trying to say to you. Like, this is why I dared not continue through with the 88 film Slasher Collection. There could be there case. could be a Tyrannosaur in there somewhere. Unlikely. Yeah, right. Unlikely. Um, uh, but you know, you never you never th- fucking know. You never know. And there's there's a couple of more things I need to mention. Like just before we start, I think it's just because we've not spoke for so long. I've got yep. so much to fucking like talk about. Um, Rick, Rick and Morty season five. Yep, I've still watched that. Um, I've got that all ready to go. It, it's uh, it's it's. I think the second half of it is coming out later this year, and um, so we've basically just got the first five episodes. I I did watch Rick and Morty, like not when it first came out, probably about maybe into season t- three. Maybe I kind of got someone told me about it. Yeah. And I watched it and I enjoyed it and I kind of forgot about it, and then I kind of went back and like watched it again. Um, I'm actually like it blows me away how well written it is. Like I actually can't believe it. I was saying this to Rach because Rach isn't really into like animated stuff and I said to her you need to watch it I said because it I almost can't get my head around how fucking well written it is and you have to watch each episode about three times to get everything like yeah and it's in in season five or was it no season four that's coming out at the minute it's like I don't I don't know how they come up with the ideas yeah you know, we were talking like last time about for me, like people that are creative and they can come up with stuff. That that like skill just fucking like I can't get my head around it. <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, watching some of these episodes of Rick and Morty season four, I just think that's so unbelievably ridiculous. I don't know how you come up with it, but I'm so fucking glad you did because I can just fucking watch them over and over again. And I've got I've gone out and bought the Blu-rays now because there's like commentaries. There's an episode that's got um, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson doing a commentary on one of the episodes. <laughs> So fucking random. They two hated each other as well. Late nineties, they two were yeah. mortal enemies. So that that makes yeah, me it's hilarious. Quite a bit. Yeah. So they they do a commentary like Russell Brand's on one of the com- one of the episodes. Like it's just talking about fucking existential stuff and. It, yeah, it's just fucking mint. I mean, there's not really any extras worth mentioning on the on the Blu-ray apart from the the commentaries, yeah. and they are they are worth a listen. Um, and then the other thing that I discovered, like literally on Thursday, when I got home after fucking like spraining my ankle really bad at work, people just do nothing. It's cool. Yeah, you, you were telling me about this over the message. <laughs> it's yeah. it's literally one of the greatest comedies I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't understand how it passed me by. It's basically like it's it's. I mean, it's heavily, heavily from, borrowed from The Office, and like they they don't try and hide that fact. Like it's, you know, the guys that made it basically said we spent fucking years just smoking weed and watching The Office. Um, it's basically it's a cross between The Office and Spinal Tap, which is another thing that they've mentioned. Like it's massively influential, and like 
and I watched episode one and it properly made me laugh. I thought, oh, this is a really strong pilot episode. Um, and I thought, I wonder if it'll be as good. And then like we basically, we've watched two seasons now and there's so much stuff in there. Like Rach didn't watch episode one with me because I was just kind of watching it on my own just because I didn't know what it was. And then I kind of said, oh no, you've got to watch this. We'll have to watch this together. But I carried, we carried on watching it and then we went back to episode one last night and it was literally like I'd watched it for the first time, even though I only watched it on Thursday. There was that much stuff that I'd missed the first time, even though I was completely paying attention. It was like watching the episode again. Like, I just couldn't believe how many, you know, like sometimes you watch an episode of a comedy and there'll be like three or four things maybe that are really funny that happen. Like literally every 30 seconds is just a line where you just think that is fucking genius. <laughs> and I'm two series in now and it's like, it's it's getting better and better and there's five seasons of it. Um, and apparently they appear, they've been like, they've appeared at Glastonbury in character on stage. All right. <laughs> basically like what's, what, basically like what Spinal Tap did. Because even though it's a complete piss take, they're actually really fucking good, like garage and drum and bass MCs. Well, one of them is anyway. And um, so yeah, they've been like they've been like at Reading, uh, Leeds and Reading Festival. They've been at Glastonbury, like they've been on stage with Stormzy and all this sort of thing. Jesus. And I was and I was reading about it, and they were saying it's great because because they're in character. It doesn't matter if they fuck up or do something stupid because that's the you know because they're idiots. Like in the show, they're complete morons. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that they just fuck up, but apparently there's like there's a whole fucking YouTube show of it. There's like Corrupt FM is like the the, the 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 pirate radio station that they do, and apparently there's loads of like Corrupt FM stuff. They've like got an album out. It's so similar to like the the um, the Spinal Tap the thing, where they're genuinely stuff, yeah. yeah, where they're genuinely like a good you know good musicians. But yeah, it's just fucking hilarious, mate. If you like the mockumentary like Office style thing. Oh, it's just so genius. And like the main character is so deluded by like how he thinks he's going to become famous off this pirate radio station. It's it's so similar to how David Brent just thinks he's great in the yeah. office. <laughs> and now he doesn't and now he doesn't realise they keep on filming him because he's cringe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they you know, he thinks he thinks they keep filming him because oh man, this is just like you you're following my rise to fame and it's like, no, they're not, mate. Like this yeah. is awful. <laughs> You've got to watch it, man. Even if you just watch like a couple of episodes, just to fucking just to see what it's yeah, about. Yeah, those are the sort of things I can I can easily watch. You know what I mean? That's nighttime yeah. watching for me. So yeah, it's, um, it's on. Once yeah, again, it's a marked to right in the list. What, what, as soon as you started mentioning things like Spinal Tap, I was like, yep, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first the first three seasons are on are on Netflix, and uh, yeah, there was like the, the the season two finale was just it was fucking beautiful. How like how well written it was. You know, you just kind of think, "Oh God, this is <laughs> this is amazing." It was kind of like that. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been watching. I've actually been blown away by some stuff that's not from this year or last year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just old old stuff where I just think I don't know how that passed me by because I fucking love The Office and I've yeah. got a lot of mates that really love The Office and I don't really know how how well that kind of went under my radar. But I'm fucking glad I found it anyway. Now I've got a whole fucking five seasons of it to dine on, so nice. I'm happy. Nice. Well, let's see if that happy good time vibe continues through to the review. <laughs> Moving mm, to okay. you, Sean. <laughs> We're going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for this feature movie review of Andy Loves Art House. Episode number nine. We're looking at Joe Bigos. We're looking at a little movie called Bliss from 2019. Coming right up right after this. 
Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael. Oh, hi. Well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Nikki's pushing me to drop your pieces. I'm going broke. I can't live off of nothing. And I can't live off 10% of nothing. I haven't finished painting in three months. Try this. It's the closest thing they got to a pure, uncut mix of cocaine and DMT. Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for our feature movie review. This is Bliss from 2019. This is written and directed by Joe Bigos. Uh, this one stars Dora Madison, True Collins, Rice Wakefield, Jeremy Gardner. That's right, he of the battery theme. Uh, Graham Skipper. That's right, he that has been in all the other Joe Bigos movies. Uh, Chris McKenna, Rachel Avery, Mark Beltzman, George Went. That's right, from Cheers. Uh, Abraham Ben Ruby, uh, JC Merlin, Matt Mercer, Josh Ether, Jackson Birnbaum, and Susan Slaughter. And there are some other folks in here for sure. A lot of weird little cameos in this movie. Um, synopsis for this one is a brilliant painter facing the worst creative block of her life turns to anything she can to complete her masterpiece. Spiring into a hallucinatory hellscape of drugs sex and murder in the sleazy underbelly of Los Angeles. 
Andy Block, I saw this movie as part of my 31 of October. Now, some people out there will be saying, wait one second, Duncan. This movie is not officially out in the UK and doesn't come out until February. How did you see it? Well, ladies and gents, I am in the know. I have friends who... Uh, well, I was going to say I have friends. I have acquaintances online <laughs> who gave me It's the screen. same way that I've seen all of The Mandalorian, and that's out in April. Come well, on, people. There's <laughs> no, no, something no, called actually, Pirate Bay. No? You, oh. like, you may have done that. I actually did legitimately get a screener for this one, so like, I saw this okay. one. I, I, like, don't throw me oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> did I. The, the, <laughs> There are certain things I will wholly put my hand up and say, yes, like, I ripped the shit out of this, you know what I mean, probably. But Bliss was when I got I, I got a legitimate screener copy and I was over the moon when it arrived because it was like that, yes, yes, I want to watch this movie. And I sat down and checked it out and yeah, people out there know it made my top five of the year. Um, I have pre-ordered the Blu-ray, can't wait for that to come in so I can sit down and watch it again. And the way I described it to people, um, was it's like you know it's like the style the neon style of something like Nicholas Winden Refn meets the uh, the kind of art house aesthetic aspirations of a movie like Driller Killer um, with a hint of of that movie that came out with Ethan Embry I forget the name of it where he was like the painter and the metal and all that shit. No, Devil's Candy. Devil's Candy. There was a hint of Devil's Candy in there as well. And it was all shoved yeah. in a blender and it was cranked up to like a hundred. <laughs> and uh, then you, you were given speed and then told to watch it. Um, because I just found the whole experience draining and tense and loud from start to finish. So when you suggested that, I was like, Andy Blockley, this is interesting because this could legitimately go one of two ways. I genuinely think this is either this is a great movie, I love it, holy, or this is pure straight garbage, Duncan, I can't believe I watched it. So the floor is yours. So there really isn't that much to discuss with Bliss because it is the no. most simple plot ever. It's like, it's a yep. series of set pieces and it is a plot that flies in like with very little written down. In fact, there's not a huge amount of dialogue in the movie either. So no. what did you make of Bliss? Right, so spoilers then from the offset for anyone that thinks we might have a different section to, you know, that isn't spoilers and a different one that is. I think we'll have to go straight into spoilers. Just go straight into spoilers, um, my man. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, which I think we kind of do that anyway in this show, don't we? But just, yeah. just for people who haven't maybe haven't watched it yet. Um, yeah, it says in the synopsis she's this amazing painter. What evidence have we got of that? Um, we the only evidence that we have is she's an amazing painter is that she is well known and she yeah. has a patron of the art so to speak who's waiting on it's like she has been a great painter but she's in a slump. she's got a contract kind of thing hasn't yeah. she like you know get me the, yeah like that's literally yeah but we, we don't actually see any evidence of any work she has done you know what I mean to say that she's a phenomenal painter it's just she has an agent no. she has a contract and people seem to know her yeah, I mean, I guess that's down to the to the low budget of the film because I think there's other films where they've obviously hired a really fucking good painter. So I think I'm sure in Devil's Candy there's some like incredible artwork in oh, there yeah. where they've yeah, obviously that's... paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, yeah, they don't do that in this film. You just have to kind of take their word for it, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, she's having this creative block. Um, I think you know the first thing that kind of struck me about this film, I don't think her performance is very good. Really? Oh, what? Yeah, I, I really, I really struggled with uh, like right from the offset. I just kind of thought, yeah, this is amateur hour. Like I, just the way she was kind of like 
talking to her mate in the apartment and stuff. I don't know. It's almost like, you know, when you can see someone acting rather yeah. than just oh, wow. see, see, like that's... Oh, right, right. I thought it was the other way. I actually thought she felt like, I'm, I'm coming at it from a same angle, but from a different outcome. Like, I didn't yeah. feel, I, to me it felt like, you know how they do, well, it's not mumble, mumblecore or whatever they call it, where, you know, actors just ad-lib. Well, it's just, that's what yeah. I, it, like the conversations felt like awkward and real to me. You know what I mean? Like in that okay. the way that people speak. So like in a movie, everyone yeah. always has perfect dialogue and no one makes a mistake. Yeah. And this one, it was kind of awkward and she's an arty mm. sort of person. So like a lot of that just worked for me because it felt more real. But I, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. I I I I thought that was a deliberate choice as opposed to her being okay. But I can't. I don't know if that is the case or not. Yeah, and obviously I haven't got an issue with that because like one of you know, my favourite things of all time, literally like the This Is England series, where yeah. a lot of that is like completely fucking ad-lib. A lot of that they'll set up about eight cameras and just catch something in one fucking take, and people do stumble over their words and stuff. And but yeah, it adds to the realism for me. So I haven't got an issue with that at all. Yeah. Um, but in this, like yeah, that it didn't strike me as as, as the same sort of. Yeah, you, you, could, you, vibe, you could see it as something else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then anyway, she goes to she goes to her dealer's house. Um, it reminded me of that scene in Pulp Fiction, really, where it's like, we've got this stuff. And he's like, what else you got? <laughs> I've got this, well, I've got this stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, and this is like two and a half thousand a gram. I want to know what heroin are you buying in fucking Pulp Fiction that's like two and a half thousand dollars for a gram? What the fuck? <laughs> Anyway, well, um, whatever it is, um, like Tarantino is still on from that original hit. Yeah, he's got to be some good shit. Anyway, so she goes like speaks to this guy and he's like, oh yeah, I've got this fucking stuff. I think it's called Dynamo. And he's like, yeah. Um, she's like, well, can I try it? But he's like, yeah, yeah, try it, but don't try too much. If you, I mean, I know you're not a, a drug taking man, but that she does about a gram. Yep, and that is a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah, if so. I'm just sure well, you, by a lack you, of knowledge, you're on everything to do with drugs. Well, if if, if you buy a, a gram of a gram of cocaine, I mean, a heavy fucking user's gonna get. I mean, I reckon the average person's gonna get like 10, 15 decent lines out of that. Right. I mean, it depends on well, what your fucking tolerance is like, and. And I understand that people have a tolerance, right? But a tolerance builds up very quickly and then you will lose that tolerance as well as you don't take drugs. And now she said she'd not been taking drugs. She yeah. said she'd been clean for like three months or whatever. So someone introduces you to a really strong drug. You don't rack out a line that looks, it, it looks about, it looks at least a gram. It's, a, it's like, it's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, this thing like for a film that's centered on you know, a drug take. It's a drug taking film. There's going to be people that have that have done that sort of stuff in the past or still do it, and they're going to go, "That's ridiculous." <laughs> she just bombs this like fucking hell. It, it's like a fucking stick of licorice that she like shoots well, up yeah, anyway. It's, it's, so it's, it's black. It's like it's like a, a, a deliberate choice to make this thing look like different from what you would expect drugs to look like as well. Which, like, there's. Uh, uh, one thing I, I don't I don't think although in saying that Joe Bigos looks like he may be um, 
partial to substances if you've ever seen what the guy looks like um, right I've, I've interviewed him before he's actually the, he's like a super nice bloke but all all these movies have some level of like deep hallucinogen involvement somewhere um, yeah that it makes me it makes me wonder for sure but yeah I, like I don't know I don't know he's, he's got that he has a way about him and his movies like start to straddle that sort of like even when you look at something like the mind's eye like he's he's really okay. he's really kind of which is like scanners for all intents and purposes he's got a kind of chrome okay. that goes through them um, yeah yeah and you know it's stuff there's there's bits where like what you're seeing could very well be the the effects of like some sort of drug binge um, but yes yeah, so yeah. what you're saying is she's selfish <laughs> it was, it was, I, 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 I kind of shit went, well, what are you doing? Like, said to, like, she, it wasn't, the, and it wasn't the length of the line. That was about right. It was the, it was the wit. It was the gear. It was the fucking thing. Anyway, anyway, so she fucking blasts this. Like, you know, you don't, you wouldn't start with that. You really wouldn't, if, you know. Except, I guess, unless you want to literally put yourself into oblivion, which is probably what she wanted to do. So it's not really a criticism. It's just like a little. Minor nitpicker, I just thought, I don't know if you'd have a line that fucking big if you not had anything for three months and you didn't know what the fuck it was. Anyway, um, so she does this line and, yeah, it just, you know, she she just fucking sinks into the carpet, like on train spotting pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then wait, wakes up, I think, you know, several hours later. Yep. And to be fair, her mate does actually say, fucking hell, I thought you'd gone home. I didn't realise you were doing that. <laughs> How much of it did you do, sort of thing? Um now, see, this is where I'm not sure. Is so obviously the the you know the run the through line of the film is it's like you know it's it's a vampire film, isn't it? Yeah, um, basically. Now, is the blood in the in the drug? Oh, see, this is I don't think it is actually. I think right there's because I never... thought because if it is, I thought that's quite a novel way of, of of being an addict because obviously every other vampire film you have to drink the blood, but if you've got like obviously blood dries, doesn't it, and you can yeah. scrape it off almost into a powder. You know, yeah. if you've ever like fucking got blood on the surface when it dries you can it is literally like crystallized almost so i kind of thought is the blood is that a really clever way of making someone addicted to blood as well as addicted to drugs by putting vampiric blood in the in the drugs and then they're taking the drugs thinking it's the drugs they want but actually it's the blood that they're after see i never i never i never even considered that and actually if that is the case and that's his intentions that's fucking genius um, right. My my kind of loose understanding is that they they don't show you her being transformed, but the implication is it's after she has sex with those guys. Okay. Right. So it's after yeah. that. So during the sex, the wild sex drug drink binge that she has, uh, she's turned mm. in because she doesn't show any like signs of being vampiric, so to speak, um, until yeah, after. But, then, but she but... is completely addicted to. The, this drug seems to be the catalyst. The drug at first seems to be the catalyst for her, like her creative output as well as the blood. So it could very well be Andy, to be honest. Because I got the feeling, I'm sure she says at one point in the film that um, the blood takes the edge off the craving. So she's feeling like she wants to kill herself, which is yeah. obviously like the allegory for a come down. Yes. But when she does more of this bliss, that feeling goes away. Yeah. Which yeah. obviously, if you're taking, you know, if you're taking drugs and you're and you're clucking for another hit of the drug, 
then obviously you take a bit of the drug and you feel better for a while. Obviously, that's why fucking heroin addicts, you know, get to the point where you know, the first few bits of heroin that you do are fucking amazing, and then it gets to the point where you're taking heroin just to feel well. Yeah, you're not getting high. You're not getting high anymore. You just don't feel like you're dying after a line or yeah. you know an injection or whatever it is you're taking. So I got the impression the drug, the blood was in the drug because she's feeling horrendous, does a line of it, and then oh, I'm all right for again for a bit, you know. Right, right. I actually really so, like that. That's not you know, that's something I hadn't even considered, but if yeah. that, you know, even if that's not the intention, that's a cool read on the movie, man. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, she's obviously it, it, it's it's helping her creatively when she takes this stuff and obviously that's why a lot of creative people do take drugs because it does it, it does open different channels of your mind i mean I know the beatles were it was oh, yeah. famous weren't they for taking for taking lsd and then banging out an album and and even fucking just admitting it as well like which is quite a heavy thing to do i think when because of how influential they are with the young people it's, it's what you got to say it's like, was that it paul mccartney that just went yeah i take lsd and they went well should you be saying that though when there's all kids watching and he went well are you when you fucking asked me yeah you asked me yeah he like it, he, he blames the interviewer he kind of goes you fucking asked me mate so it's your fault it's yeah. Like, yeah, but... <laughs> but there's, so obviously yeah that's um, there's that great um, that is, uh... no no I was going to say there's that great um, Bill Hicks like uh, stand up where he's talking about all your like he's like talking about like like going to heaven or hell and basically how hell has all the great music uh, and he starts going through like he's like Jimi Hendrix you know like Jimi Hendrix and like uh, <laughs> David Bowie the Beatles and all the rest he's like that you wonder how they wrote, they wrote their music they wrote it real fucking high um, and that's <laughs> literally it does there's something that sparks about it but what I like about it is, is we, we never see we do see the actions of her paint but we don't see it until she's come down the following day and she sees yeah. the, the the outcome of what that the binge the night before has has ultimately ultimately done. And at first, it, the the painting towards the end starts to make sense. But at the big for the most of the movie, it looks like just a column of bodies, which then yeah. ultimately leads to something like a bit more prophetic at the end. But yeah. it's like you say, it's this idea of like she's she's taking this drug to. To not only spark the creativity, but she is like she does feel like she's very much like like they, they do in a lot of other movies that deal with vampires. This idea of you feel like you're dying, <laughs> like in the transformation, but you feel like you're dying if you're. It's why I think mm. at times the the some of the more because in the back of my head I was also there was a concern with you in this movie, and if you watch a movie like two movies that we did as part of the summer series. Which both landed on the same episode that you were on that you did not like, were the addiction and habit, and bliss oh, owes yeah. bliss owes a lot to bliss owes a lot to habit, um, not yeah, like does. fully as a movie, but it, like and it's way it takes things and and, and kind of not tries to reinvent, but it's kind of hypothesizing of an alternative kind of telling of the story of vampires or vampirism yeah i knew i knew that it was similar to one of them because i watched them for the same episode they, those two have kind of blended into one so i can't remember which yeah, one was which it's, it's yeah, definitely, definitely more habit based yeah really similar to that but done once um, again done with a kind of punk aesthetic as opposed to whatever it is that larry fesden doesn't have it yeah yeah totally um so it just like you said, there's not a great deal to talk about. It, was just, it just gets to the point where she, yeah, she, you know, she becomes sort of vampiric, whether it's through the drugs or through the sex. Um, 
and then she turns and then she starts killing people. Um, I know the the, the the frenetic editing was a deliberate choice yep. to uh, kind of add, add frenzy to what she was doing, but I don't like that sort of thing. Right. Like it, it just reminds me of watching a Marvel movie when like the fight scenes, like uh, like three seconds of action has about 15 fucking different camera shots. <laughs> I don't like it. I want to, I want to, I want to see what's going on. You know, and I think, I think the fact that, I think the fact that that technique is so overused now in action films where they don't pan back and let you see the fight happening. Yeah. They just show you a fist and then a face and then a foot and then another, you know, so for fuck's sake, I can't see what's going on. Yeah. And I think because, I think because it's so fucking overused yeah. when it happened, when it happens in a film where it's a deliberate choice, not because they are trying to save time and rehearsal on shooting a really well choreographed fight scenes, that's blatantly why they do it. Yeah, I don't think in the fucking Avengers film they're doing it because they think it looks good. Yeah, I think they're doing it because to rehearse a film where maybe out of three hours, a good 20 minutes of it is solid fighting. It's just too much fucking time and effort to train people that aren't real fighters to make a fight scene look good. So they just do it like that. Yeah, plus it's like comic book people. stills, isn't it? Like comic book stills, it's like, a fist flies to face and then pow, and then it's a leg flies to face and then crack. You know, it, it fits that medium. So to speak, yeah. even though it is, you I, know I when agree you've, like, with you. Grow... I want the raid, like in my movies. I want to see yeah. absolutely want... every fucking punch land connect. Well, that's I want to the see thing. The next one tee up. So, like I, you know, my sort of thing is Ong Bak, uh, yeah. Warrior King, the raid, John Claude Van Damme films, Jackie Chan films, yeah. Bruce Lee films. If I'm watching a film where the highlight of the film is the fights, then I want to be able to fucking see it without fucking bringing on an epileptic fucking seizure. <laughs> like, it just, I don't fucking, I can't get into it. So then when it happens in a film where it's a deliberate choice to add to the frenzy of the scene, it just annoys me because it annoys me in all the other films I watch, so I can't appreciate it for what it is because I just yeah. think, for fuck's sake, can I just see what's going it's on? A deliberate, it's fucking... a deliberate editing choice that I think fits yeah. a narrow margin and should be used sparingly like yeah, it should, right. shouldn't be overused in a movie it should be a, a technique you use to deliver something very 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 quickly to move the story on because and I, you could argue to an extent although it kind of undercuts its position as a horror movie so to speak you could argue that it's less about the feeding and it's more about the experience of what she's going through it's like if you imagine people taking drugs to do something in a movie to me I don't I, I hate movies that labour the point of taking drugs although I imagine taking drugs is a laborious thing depending on what you're taking there's a lot of preparation and all the rest I'm just like let's just get to the bit where they're on the drugs um, yeah and this movie the the, the kind of if you imagine the feeding being a kind of way of um, propelling that that euphoria of being on the drug um, mm. has been a thing to me like getting through that pretty quick allows me to spend more time with the, the misery the character's in so I, it doesn't yeah. bother me as much I know what you're saying though that like is, these scenes are violent though like when she walks out of the bathroom and the guy's nose is bleeding after that fight and we get the first proper like rage feed so to speak yeah. and George Wentz there yeah. and I'm like that why are you in this movie <laughs> like, so bizarre it's so, so it's random so, so strange yeah. um, and I think or, 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 like I don't know I don't know like, 
I just don't know. It just it freaked me out when he was in it. And she comes out and she starts like like viciously grabbing and biting and tearing and ripping and all the rest. And they're using that deliberate thing. Um, I'm torn at that scene because part of me understands its mechanism in there is to get us through it and on to see the the kind of the post feeding phase of that character but then another part of me is like it's a movie about vampires and if you're going to have a movie of vampires I kind of want to see that as well so yeah. it's like if they lean one way I might criticise it the other way and if they do what they do you know I might lean on one but I, I get both approaches and yeah I, I know exactly what you're saying it is because they don't just do it once every time she feeds that's what you get yeah and and I think for me like I think I think we talked about it when we did the uh, you, you know the top ten. Um, yeah, there's very few vampire films that I actually enjoy. I don't enjoy yeah. the story of it. I really think it's tedious. It's uh, been done to of, death as well, isn't it? To be that's honest, what the pro- that's the problem with it. It's in, like I, I can't work out which one's more tedious now, zombies or vampires. Like, yeah, I don't which one's been absolutely <laughs> fucking them to death like it's it's at the point now with me like if i if i know a film is zombie related i just don't watch it anymore yeah there's very few of them that are even worth worth even switching on the thing is i always vampires to me are the ones where here's the weird thing about it like see zombie movies are never about the zombies they're about the people trying to survive the zombies right so that's the whole point where vampire movies are are generally about movies that are you know it's people struggling with the the good ones anyway are about people that are struggling with the with the the affliction of being a vampire which i think is a different thing so they're both about survival but on one of them it's people being humans trying to survive zombies where the other one is being vampires trying to be human and I think you can put more into the vampire side of things in terms of pivot stories, tackling it from different mediums, and certain different, like there was that a Transfiguration movie which came out a couple of years ago, which was very similar shades of Martin, um, like the, okay. the Romero movie, but it was kind of set yeah. in the, the ghetto, um, and it had a different take on how it did things and there's a little bit of let the right one in there on that one and that movie was fucking great and I loved it Mm. but the vampirism stuff is so at the back of that movie and it's more about these kids getting and those are the ones that's like uh, All the Lovers Left Alive the Jim Jarmusch movie I think works out because like, it, it's focusing on imagine if you were a vampire and the pain of immortality yeah. which sounds good like where you can start you can't do that with zombie movies like you really no, can't do that that's... with zombie movies at all and I think that's no. where zombie movies become wholly repetitive but unfortunately yeah. you can make a really lazy vampire movie and plenty of people have fucking done it <laughs> like, there's loads yeah, of them and I think, I think for me that's the reason that vampire when vampire films I just find tedious is when they have to go through all the same beats yeah and I just think you don't really have to deal with that. I think that's why stuff like 30 Days of Night I love because we don't have to go into what happens when, you know, all this thing of, right, you get bitten and then you start to have to go and eat raw meat in the supermarket yeah. and, then, and then your partner finds out. And like, there's all these fucking beats that all these modern vampire films have to hit. Yes. And all my favorite and all the vampire films that I love, the vampires are already fully formed and we're just in. We hit the ground running and let's just fucking get on with it. Yeah. So like, you know, from dusk till dawn, um, like near dark. I mean, I know near dark's got a bit of obviously him turning, but there's also just got a load of fully formed vampires. Yeah, and we they're just, just follow there. them around. It's and like Fright Night. It's like the first time you watch Fright Night and you get this like, is the guy next door a vampire? You know what I mean? Like we don't yeah. have to watch any of that stuff. It's just he is. 
And I know I'm with yeah, you on so, that one. It's like it's like the the it's like superhero movies and origin stories. Like everyone yeah. has to have an origin story. I'm like, do we really need to? Like, do I really need to see Spider Man become Spider Man again for the third time for the in, fifth, 20, in twenty years yeah. to have to see it again? Yeah. And they're like, yes, yes, you do, Duncan, because you don't yeah, know you how do. this he happened. gets bitten by. Guess what? He gets bitten by a spider. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, it's not even like they do. It's not even like they put any kind of new twist on no, it. No, that's like, the same thing. It's the same sake. story every single time. And vampires are exactly. Different. We know how that works, and that's why when you're saying it might be in the drugs. I actually think yeah. if that is the case, that you know that makes that movie. At least even that's for me, something you know I mean? different. At least that's a new fucking like twist on the way that you get infected and the and the re- and, you know, and the way that you have to then keep feeding your addiction yeah. without even realizing it. Because yeah. potentially, if she doesn't really know she's a vampire, she just thinks she's on this super addictive drug that she has. She takes, you know, she has to take it or she feels terrible. Yeah. But she, you know, but there's blood in the in the drug, and it transpires that oh, actually, it's the blood that you, it's the blood that you're addicted to, not you know, not the drug. But for me, like there are two different vampire films, types of vampire film. It's the one where we have to laboriously follow the person around, hitting all these beats of these, this happening, then that, and then that. And then there's the vampire films where we just hit the ground running, and it's just fucking right. These are vampires. They're fucking dangerous as fucking. Like you know, this group of people have now got to you know survive the winter or whatever. Yeah. So there's and, and and it's the latter version that I appreciate and and the first one that I just find kind of tedious and yeah. yeah unfortunately the bliss just kind of yeah landed in that camp of just the one where I just think oh, I've seen this like fifty times right you know so yeah unfortunately um, oh, no. yeah, like do you not, not like really. see that to me where the movie like kind of. I don't know, like the movie landed to me is like this, like lean into that kind of art house idea. Um, there was something very art exhibit about the movie, if you know what I mean, in that, like, or, or like, or stage play, or like one man part, like the vagina, the vagina monologues, you know, <laughs> there's a very kind of, like, one set play, like the scenes, like, of her in her, like, apartment, and her friends want to visit, and she's like, you need to go. You don't, don't, don't mm. I know you're trying to help me and you're concerned and you think like the drugs and all the rest, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot be around me. And her friend just oblivious to everything and because like, that's what would happen if you knew someone was on drugs. It's what makes that evil dead remake so cool. It's that idea where she's like mm. that, no, we need to get out of here. And they're like, yeah, well, of course she would say that because you're coming off drugs and you just want to go back to where your supplies And she's like, no, 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 the fucking woods are haunted. And they're like, no, no, yeah. of course you're gonna see that. You know, like, that's what makes. Yeah, this... everyone's looking at each other like with quote things. Yeah, yeah, the woods are horns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a tree went up inside me. Yep, sure that happened. You know, like it's like there's. And he <laughs> looks. He goes, "Oh my god, she'll she'll say anything, won't she?" To get <laughs> she really wants those drugs. Um, yeah. There's there's a part of that where you're dismissive, and I like that idea about this as well. And as what she's saying to people, people are just taking. Well, of course she's like she's she's back on drugs. She's she's weird. She's like everything she's saying should be taken as a closeted cry for help. And yeah. what they don't understand is that as viciousness so when she is like the lust that takes over, especially when she she kills Jeremy Gardner, which is almost tantamount to cinematic crime uh, in my eyes. You don't kill the man that made the battery. 
they never fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, and he's he's just trying to help her, and like she viciously like fucking bites the fuck out of him uh, and murders him <laughs> and all that. And then, all those scenes to me hold a bit of weight, but I imagine if you're already at that point kind of checked out, then they are just like you see beats of a story that are already well told, very well told. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the problem. Ah, uh, no, man. Uh, anything aesthetically you want to talk about because this one is bathed in neon and has a very intense sort of kind of punk metal soundtrack did that add anything yeah, to you? I was in, yeah I was into all that yeah I liked all that stuff that was good that, the, you know, the soundtrack I liked the way it was shot I would have appreciated the frenetic editing if it wouldn't just remind me of all the terrible action films yeah. that I've seen that just do it because they haven't you know because the, the people that they hired can't fucking fight for shit and haven't rehearsed yeah so you know, I didn't mind. I, you know, as a, you know, I, I do struggle with being really down on indie films because I love I love independent cinema, um, and I really hate fucking Hollywood shit. And I love independent stuff and I love foreign stuff. I, speaking of which, have you seen Parasite? Hey, I have not. It comes out uh, once again, Andy. <laughs> it <Right>. comes out <laughs> uh, next month in the UK. Uh, I'll assume that you yeah, travelled to America um, and, uh, on a small journey and watched all of there. It's incredible anyway. It's um, <laughs> it's so fucking good. Oh, I'll tell you what else to watch as well. The Gangster, The Cop and The Devil. It's not amazing, but it is good. It's the well, Gangster, The Cop, that's it. a new one. I've not heard that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The Gangster, The Cop and The Devil. I think it's... I think it, is it Korean? What's, um, what country is Train to Busan from? It's uh, South Korean. So, okay, so yeah, it's Korean. It's got the same big guy in it. You know the big guy from the, on the train, the one that's yeah, badass. I'm just, like, I'm just really seeing much, the poster really right now. Yeah, that's uh, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. I will have that. So it's basically, it's a um, it's a, a cop and a gangster and they team up to catch a serial killer, basically. Interesting. Yeah. I'll, Interesting. I will, I'll, I'll, I'll say no more, but... Mm. You know, it's got that. It's got that thing where you know the, the the fight scenes are good. The you know the acting's good. The um everything's practical. You know the violence is fucking violent, yeah. like it is in these foreign films. And yeah, so that's also the reason I like independent stuff because the violence is violent and the fucking effects are normally good. Even though even if they're they're not the best practical effects, yeah. they're still better than anything you could show me CGI. So yeah, I did I did appreciate all that stuff in Bliss. Um, I just thought some of her acting when she's high yeah. was just a bit a bit OTT. Right. Like she's just pulling she's just pulling some like weird faces and stuff and there's a there's a character in the Mandalorian actually that's really fucking annoying. It's this uh, like alien woman. All right. And she just keeps and she just keeps hissing like a cat like and like it's really hammy over the top and I <laughs> don't really understand what's happened because the rest of that series is absolutely fucking solid the Mandalorian yeah. it's really fucking everything's great like the effects direction the script everything's really spot on and then there's this really annoying character and she's only in it for probably like an episode and a half I think and she's just so hamming it up and over the top. But yeah, I just think, where's the guy? Where's it? Was the second unit director doing this? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> because it's just a bit fucking cringe and shit. Yeah. And it's the only fucking negative about that whole show is just that character. You know, I just think that's just really badly directed. She's annoying me. Yeah. Like, and I just thought that a little bit about this woman in Bliss. I just kind of thought, yeah, I know not everyone that does like drugs for a film has done them in real life but you can fucking tell when they have yeah. i think that's what's so great about something like you know like human traffic oh yes oh yes 
you can tell who's done drugs in real life in that film and you can tell who hasn't because you can tell the people that are just following the direction of right there's certain little things you need to do when you're taking mdma to make it look like you're taking mdma and then you see like danny dyer's character and you just think that guy he's probably on him now yeah. <laughs> he probably took him he probably took he's probably had a bit of a bit of fucking molly to do he's, the film sort of thing. Like, he's a method actor <laughs> yeah you can just fucking tell the people that have done drugs in for me, like she, you know, she might have done drugs in real life. She might not. I don't know. I don't know. It's not for me to say. But she, her acting was just a bit too like wild-eyed, and yeah, I don't know. There was just something a bit forced about it that, for me, just you know, just wasn't, just wasn't too convincing. Um, well. So that kind of let me down a bit. So I think there's just there was just general things about her performance, whether it's when she's high on drugs and when you know when she's ranting to her friends and stuff and. Yeah, it just it just didn't fucking sell it, it for me. And yeah. I think if, if 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 you can't get behind the the main character, oh yeah, you're out the movie. It when, certainly when, later on it'll drag you out. Of it. When she when she gets ninety nine point nine percent of the screen time, yeah, then you've kind of lost me, haven't yeah. you? Because you know if I can't yeah, get behind sense. that main character, and, and I think and I think that's the same with like so many films that I watch like more and more stuff now I just kind of think yeah it's all about the fucking characters really and when I look back to all my favourite films over the years like everything that's in my top 10 it's the characters yep. primarily is what gets me obviously you know like for me for a film to score a fucking like 10 for me to be like a perfect movie it's also got to have good effects and a great script and everything else you know like too, too many things to mention really like to be perfect but you look at something like Jaws, it's the fucking characters that mm-hmm. make that film incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, you know, like human traffic and the fucking, even stuff like, you know, the Rocky Horror Show and like just all these films, like it's it's all about the characters and I'm thinking it always will be. Yep. And for me, I just couldn't get behind the main character. So I like, <laughs> I think 20, 20 I, I just didn't really care what happened to her or anybody else. Because, I love how pained you yeah. are just now. You're just like, oh, I don't know what <laughs> I'm not, I see. I see where yeah, you're coming from. Because I, I have a look. Because I've had a look at your like top twenty for the year, and it's it is hard for me to come on and just fucking say I really didn't like a film that you obviously really fucking like. Like it's a difficult thing to do. Isn't it? Dude, it's like we've if you been come back and tell me Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> so. I know, but you know, if you come back and go, oh, that Tyrannosaurus was a bit shit, I'll be a bit wounded. I, I don't know? think it like will when, be though. I like just like while you were introducing it, I checked the I checked the cast. I checked the poster and a quick plot synopsis and I know for a fact I'm going to love it. So. But the point I'm making is, like, if I did it, if I brought you on yeah. a podcast specifically to talk about Tyrannosaur and you went, mate, I didn't like it. Well, yeah, You'd but, feel yeah. bad fucking, do you know what I mean? And that's kind of how I feel about Bliss. Like, I know how much you like it because I've had a quick look at your top 20. Yeah. And uh, and I think you gave it five stars when you reviewed it. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I loved sure. it. Absolutely loved it. Um, to me, it's a, it's a like very much once again, like I say, with Driller Killer, it's this fully immersive experience where you like to me, you're just trapped in this one like bubble of a weekend where everything is just intense and loud and yeah. brash and in your face. And yeah, I I understand like completely if she doesn't grab you as a character then it's an obnoxious experience and no one wants to sit through that. You know what I mean? So I, I totally appreciate that. And at least you at least you can sit and justify. I hate people that say, oh, I don't like it. Well, why do you like it? Well, because it's shit. Um, yeah, but why is it shit? Because oh, yeah. it's just shit. Uh, the fact that you can yeah. come and say, well, this is, the, this is the point. 
right here that the movie loses me. And the thing is, even if that point changes, that doesn't necessarily mean the movie's any better for you. You know what I mean? Like, no. it, it just it just might be the conceit of it exists within a genre that you know you're a bit tired of anyway, and you are given a character you're not really sympathetic towards. So. As a result yeah. of that, it's like it's kind of two-folded on top of each other. Yeah, um, and do you know what? Fair. As well, like it doesn't. She doesn't necessarily have to be a sympathetic character yep. because in Uncut Gems, he's a prick. <laughs> like, <laughs> he really is. But, then, yeah, but you totally, but but, you, but you're yeah. totally on board with what happens to him, and you're totally behind him, and you can't wait to see what happens to the character. Yeah. So it's not that. Yeah, I don't think she. she like, I don't she's, think she's a sympathetic no, character. No, she shouldn't she's be either. Because she's a she's a user. No. She is not. I, I'm not even being like a drug user. She's a user of people. She's obnoxious. The way yeah. she speaks to some people in this movie before she's even hitting the drugs is just terrible. Yeah. And mm. she's she's. I think she's a specific uh, per- personality type of artist who you know. I just feel like because they are gifted. Um, yeah, they should just get an easy ride on everything, and I, I yeah. you know, it's something that you know I can't relate to. Um, no, and yeah, I, I, mean, I think the, char- the character, the characters in Parasite, are fucking reprehensible characters as well. But yeah. but you know that you you fucking fall in love with that family in that film. They're incredible, you know. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's not it's not that it's not the fact that she's meant to be sympathetic and she's not. I know she's not, but. It was just something about it that just rubbed me up the wrong way to the point where I just thought, oh, I don't fucking care what happens to you now. Yeah. Going go and overdose for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> Not bothered. Oh, well, well let's, let's, let's grade it then. Let's grade it from your perspective then, using the old Netflix grades. Where does it come in then? I think it's only a two, you know. Ooh, kicking the balls, man. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Uh, but I think that's fair. I think the thing is, you've justified, you've justified your opinion on it. And um, like I yeah. said, I, like you didn't hate it though. I kind of thought you would either hate it or love it. Um, and I struggle to hate a film, to be honest. I really struggle yeah. to hate something. Do you know, what I did hate what fucking one cut of the dead. <laughs> oh, you can get right off this show right now. How Listen, you, there's right. no way you can hate a movie you, like One Cut of the Dead. You can't, you can't show me half the film is a completely terrible film and then spend the other half of the film showing me how that really shit film got made. I've got to sit through it twice. You, you, you missed the point of that whole movie. The whole, the, the whole point of that movie is to show the love and craft that goes into making a shit movie. I don't care though. What do I want to see a shit movie? I want to see a good movie. And tell me how that got but done. I, I, uh, the yeah. thing about it is, all the things that make it shit are explained why they're shit, <laughs> and it's all the stuff that's happening yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh man, I, well, like, I, I, I felt, I but I felt, I felt so robbed. <laughs> I felt so fucking robbed when I got to the end of that film. I just thought, I hate you. You've just you, robbed an hour and a half off you, me. You have no soul. <laughs> you know, no. As like that as um, a as a warm hug. To, to cinema that movie but going back to what I was saying like yeah apart from that I really struggled to give anything a one because yeah. like there was you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a well made film blitz yes it is mm-hmm. you can't knock it you, you know you can't knock what you know it's it's a very well put together movie um it's his best crafted it, so. like I, I'm, a, I'm a big Bagos fan and I've watched him from doing Almost Human which is about as rough and raw a movie you will ever see through the mind's eye, which I thought was great. It was more polished. Um, certainly showed him flexing a bit more of his creative muscle. And, you know, he disappeared for a couple of years and he's come back with two movies last year. 
like I say, uh, right. the new one comes out this year technically, but yeah. Bliss and the other one back to back, and um, Bliss to me shows once again it's a huge step up in maturity, filmmaking, style, execution. Um, that I think he's, I think a genuine thing. He's a fucking great, very talented filmmaker. That I don't even think he's found his stride yet. I, I think he's still experimenting, and he has a, a real love for eighties kind of cinema. Yeah, he, I mean, it's you know, it's not put me off him as a director. I'm yeah. happy to, you know, if he does another film, I happily watch it. There are certain people where I just think, you know, the, your fucking style of movies just isn't for me. But yeah, it's not put me off him at all because I don't think I've seen anything else that he's done. Oh, you should check um, out the mind's eye. The mind's eye is worth checking out for sure. A lot of practical effects okay. in that one. Um, it's kind of it is okay. very scanners though. So if you're not a fan right. of scanners, then. Well, I don't mind a bit of scanners. You may want to skip it by. Uh, right, Andy. So two out of five for Bliss. I have an idea of what I want us to do next. Uh, I'm going to discuss it in this very short break, and if you agree, then we will announce it after this uh, short break. But we're going to come right back right after this. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. Welcome back. So you've been listening to Andy Loves Art House, episode number nine, where we reviewed Bliss. And once again, Andy does not love Art House. Oh, yeah, Andy. I don't know. Not today. Not today. <laughs> right. Um, we spoke just briefly off of there. I have the next movie ready, and we'll come back in just over a month to do it. Uh, we are going to be talking about a movie which is not horror, but it's a, a thriller for sure. Um, it's also foreign, so we'll see how that one goes. Uh, we're going to be doing Stranger by the Lake. So Stranger by the Lake's the next movie. Um, for, for those that want to know a little bit of a plot synopsis. It's a summertime, a cruising spot for men, tucked away on the shores of a lake. Frank falls in love with Michael, an attractive, potent and lethally dangerous man. Frank knows this, but wants to live out his passion anyway. So... Yeah, there are some scenes in this movie that are right from a horror movie. Like, genuinely. Bo mm-hmm. Rand still introduced me to this one. And I'm interested, because it is a, very much as an art house movie, and you'll see what I mean when you watch it. But I'm, I'm trying a different tact here, Andy. I'm trying to maybe slip in a couple of thrillers here and see if we can maybe <laughs> steer, you, steer you away. Give you some yeah. foreign cinema as well, because that, you know, subtitles might win us over. and uh, You never know. We've had good luck with the French thus far. Enter the Void, uh, Climax... To saying both Gaspar Noe yeah, and Tube, but yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, like I say, I'm a big fan of foreign cinema just because they're so drastically different from anything that Hollywood puts out. Yes, um, yeah, I'm up for it. Definitely. Yeah, this movie would never exist in Hollywood. That is all I'm going to say. <laughs> like, no. And you will see it when you watch it. Um, there are certain things that only French. Did you, did you see? Um, did you see Ricky Gervais having a go at everyone at the goal at the? I did, yes I did I'm not going to put in as much cred as the internet seems to that Ricky Gervais has all of a sudden become some sort of you know, truth seer of the like, Ricky Gervais, I've heard him say some pretty obnoxious things in the past so, um, you know I mean I'm not not falling over with him, I agree with the sentiment, I think (laughs) I think he's spot on, I think you can't sit there and support a company like Apple and then go out there and and talk about how you know how you're for you know 
fair in the quality in the world and all the rest with their background. But you know what I love about that? What I love about that is that he said it right at the beginning and you know that there were so many people that were going to do that when oh, they got gotcha. the award. And now, and then I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it necessarily... The thing is, I don't think it necessarily stopped them doing it. It just made them look foolish for doing it, which I think was the point. Yeah. I think it was his, his yeah. kind of... His aiming of it, um, but yeah, like the the whole like the, the right wing. Um, I loved him having a dig at the foreign press, saying they're basically racist, they're, they're yeah, basically yeah. misogynistic. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, or even but even having a, a dig at like when they were talking about representation and awards. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like that. You know, I'm not going to do well because because we're playing that game. I'm not going to do the people that have died either because that's not you know <laughs> that's not racially diverse. So let's not do that <laughs> yeah, either. Right. Um, so I, yeah, and there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of kind of like swung in on. Like I see Ricky Gervais in the past has said some stuff though that I'm like. Let he without sin cast the first stone as being some sort of social crusader because you know what I mean. Um, yeah, people live long enough to say things that make them make them sound stupid in hindsight. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. I mean, I don't want to hear like actors and actresses spout political messages at all um, because they don't affect any change at all. <laughs> like, they they yeah. change fucking nothing and it is a waste mm. of oxygen so just don't do it. I kind of agreed with that. Just come up, accept your fucking award and sit down. Well that's the thing. And like, Are they doing it because they actually want to invoke real change because if they do then uh, that's admirable or are they just doing it just to go, hey, guess what guys? Uh, I don't like Donald Trump either. Yeah. And uh, I don't think race, you know, and you know, and that, hey, that racism's pretty bad, isn't it? Hey, that racism that's going on is pretty bad stuff. It's yeah, like, it literally doesn't, it doesn't affect, it does not affect my uh, viewing whether or not uh, an actor is pro or uh, anti-Trump, you know, like all the stuff that Kevin Spacey's went through will not stop me watching American Beauty. You know, no. if I want to shove that and, on, and, I will and, shove and, that and movie th- on. And Thriller, Thriller is still a great album. Yeah. And so you know, like, you, know, you know, like you know the um, you know the Chris Rock routine where yeah. like people are bragging that they take care of their kids. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, that's what you're supposed to do, you stupid motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Like, going around telling people, well, I, well, I feed my kids and I take my kids to school. It's like, yeah. Yeah, well, you're meant to do that. Yeah. So when people stand up and go, you know, I don't like racism or misogyny uh, either, you go, yeah. well, right. Yeah, well, that's because you're a human standard. being. That's That should be... That should you know, be. <laughs> You know, like when something like terrible happens around the world, like say, I don't know, like the fucking volcano erupts or there's a horrendous tsunami or something. On the front page of the news, it'll be how the British Prime Minister thinks it's really awful. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, so, okay, that's a weird headline, isn't it? So, oh, oh, so our British Prime Minister thinks that thousands of people dying is a bad thing. Yeah. Like everybody thinks it's bad. Yep. That isn't. For, it's just such a weird thing to try and go. Hey, he must be a good guy because uh, he thinks people dying's bad. So he must be a good guy. So everybody thinks that's terrible. Oh, I know. Fuck. It's the world we live in, man. Like, the importance yeah. of of what other people with power or status, their mm. opinions being given any sort of credo to me is weird. I, I just I don't understand it. Live for yourself. Have your own values. Uh, try and try and keep those values pure and kind where possible um, mm. and try and keep your nose out of other people's business and if you can do that I think you will live a happy <laughs> happy existence yeah um, I mean you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm all up for activism I think activism is great if we didn't have activism then you know black people would still be fucking riding at the back of the bus and yep. you know it takes now I do believe that we do need to have activism, yep. um, but a lot of the time it depends where it's directed. Because arguing with bigoted morons online, yeah, 
it's not going to make any fucking difference if you can genuinely educate someone and go well actually you know and they're up for listening and you go well did you did you actually know that what you're saying like and explaining things to people and people you can change people's mind on things Mm -hmm. you can totally change people's mind if they're up for having their mind changed but most people online this is what like with the whole fucking brexit thing yeah like people don't people don't care all people care about is that their football team won and that's basically the equivalent thing isn't it their opinion is the equivalent of their football team and they don't give a shit if you give them evidence to go, well, actually, look, you're completely wrong about this. They yeah. don't go, oh, fucking hell, am I? Shit. Oh, God, it's I'm really glad you it's, told it's me. It's what's classed as identity politics. It's you, and you it's I, the ego. I, yeah, you, ident- you identify with your team winning as opposed to the policies that are in place after. Yeah. Um, and it's you, and like, I don't know what it is in the last like 10 years where people's egos are so monumentally fucking fragile. Internet. Nobody turns it's the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad, isn't given, it? Nobody turns given, around. Everyone's given the same platform to voice their opinions, which I mean, everyone should yeah. have the same platform to voice their opinions. But the 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 kind of micro chambers that are echo chambers that are now in place, like I, the many articles I scroll past that says, you know, this person like won the internet by you know standing up to Donald Trump on Twitter. I could not give a fuck. Could not give the and it, it meant nothing. As one one person, uh, three hundred million over there, it meant fucking nothing. And the fact that you've made that and people are clicking and reacting and all the rest, you're amplifying the set. Like it was a um, the new fashion thing is this because a couple of people have done it online. People, it's always a people are doing this now. Why has everyone got an opinion on Meghan Markle all of a sudden? I don't. I didn't even know who she was. It's um, so fucking this bizarre, this whole, like, Megxit. It's called Megxit, isn't it? Fucking See, hell. if I was sorry, I'd like, want to get away as well. <laughs> like, yeah. I wouldn't want to be anything like... The, I've, like I've made my opinions pretty clear on this. I'd, like, I think the, it, like any country that has any system of monarchy is a flawed one. Like, no one is better well, than anyone what? else. Like, at all, it Obviously, should, be, should be heralded as any better than anyone else by any established institution. Everyone should have the same footing. And if that makes me a communist, yeah. then fuck it. And it's mad, isn't it? And obviously, like, Meghan Markle's, like, uh, you know, ethnic background is that she's from a country that basically Britain made their wealth stealing their gold and their jewels. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you've got that part of it. And then blatantly, like, the Queen fucking killed Harry's mum. And I don't think Charles is even his dad because all you have to do is Google James Hewitt, <laughs> Harry Thingy, and they literally like twins. But why? Why are but we getting? Why are we get, yeah, why are we getting sucked into that though? Why is it of any importance at all? I, I, this is I don't this understand. is the problem. This is the it, it's, it's two it, celebrities who don't want to be celebrities anymore. Yeah. that's all they are. They're just a couple of fucking celebrities. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, like, it's pure distraction. It's one hundred percent pure distraction, um, because you yeah. are what? What we are? How many? We're less than two weeks away from exiting the European Union, so let's talk about royals. Yeah, so let's yeah let's talk about something else. And do you know what's weird as well? It's like people are told something's a big deal. Yep. And so and so it becomes it becomes a big deal. It's like the, a couple of people that have decided they just want to do their own thing in life and don't want to be associated with their fucking corrupt family. Yeah. That shouldn't be news, but yep. for some reason, because people have been told that's a big deal. Oh, it's got to be on the newspaper every single day, and everyone's got an opinion. And it's, oh the man, internet, it's just, the it's internet, like fucking... Facebook, is basically OK Magazine nowadays. Yeah, it's such it a bizarre world that we're living in, where like people are getting angry about the wrong things. Look mm-hmm. at all the terrible shit that's going on in the world, and you're bothered about a couple of people moving to Canada. Yep. What the fuck? 
<laughs> what the fuck? It's <laughs> yep. crazy, dude. I don't, I don't, I, I, that's what I say, I, I try not anymore. I like even begin to to try and get my head rimmed what, yeah. what people like. I, I stopped watching know. Question Time. I used to love Question Time. Can't do it anymore. Because right. they just don't talk about it's anything. too annoying. So they, but they just don't talk about anything relevant to what's happening. They, they don't talk about, like, the education system, the health system. They talk about none of that. It's bullet points of what the media wants them to talk about, and I can't be bothered with that. <laughs> it's not real conversations. Nice. It's not what people are actually talking about um, either. Nice. Like, people don't, like, I, I work in an office which is, like, not only ethnically diverse, um, but um, gender diverse as well. Like, there's, it's almost a 50-50 ratio of women to men in my family. I think there's actually yeah. more women than there are men now in my company. And no one, no one in my office mentioned the, the royal family thing at all in the last week. Um, like, even in casual combat, it should never come up because it's not yeah. important. <laughs> like, it's not, it's no. not important at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man right anyway we're going to be doing Stranger by the Lake when you come back um, uh, and, and we're going to see how that goes I'm, I am ever hopeful that I'm going to find something you love even though I understand you that, never know that, you know, that is that is a, that's a mission statement we're, we're going to keep trying um, yeah and uh, one day it will happen and I bet you it happens on the, the, the least confident movie I have yeah probably we will do isn't it? the irony of that <laughs> Right, uh, there is a multitude of ways to check out this show. Uh, like I say, on all these ones, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. You can also check us out on Stitcher, Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, and of course, Spotify. Visit the website, it's tputzcast.com. That's where the collective is now housed. So you can jump over to that second channel and catch Andy and myself in that entire 25 episode back run of doing the nasty you can go and check them out there the, all the pain and the misery and weirdly a lot of our political conversations have not changed in five years <laughs> we're, nope. we're still we're still rallying against the same shit <laughs> rage against the machine constantly always rage against yeah. it and never become complacent but yeah so that's over there the first two seasons of chronicle over there um yeah, and all the new content that will be coming out, uh, you can subscribe to that by just going to any of your podcatchers and typing in T Putts Cast Collective. Well, it's T Putts Collective actually. T Putts Collective. Um, the links, as always, will be in the show notes. Um, yeah, interact with us on Facebook. You know where that is, and Instagram as well. It's at T Putts Cast as well as Twitter, and we're on that Flick Chat app as well. It's free and available. On Android and iOS, our join code is TPUTSCAST and it's message board so you can jump in and jump out of whatever conversation you want. Um, myself and Andy will be back to do another one of these in just over a month's time. We'll be looking at Stranger by the Lake. But until then, Andy, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners, please? Yeah, bye. Hang in there. We might find one one day. This is like I'm doing the nasty. Oh, please, please come back. Come back and check us out, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, but until I speak to you again uh, podcast under the stairs we'll return of course on Thursday with a little bonus episode which is not that long please take care of yourselves out there wherever you are where the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off <laughs>